keep putting good people on your train. It, it's really that simple. But you can't have Battier, and you can't have Dunleavy, and you can't have what. <laughs> All right. Hello again, coaches. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. How are you? The Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode 85 with Coach Freddie Johnson. Freddie Johnson, a Greensboro native, has spent his entire basketball coaching career at Greensboro Day School. Graduating from Grimsley High School in 1972 and Greensboro College in 1977, he furthered his education with a master's degree from North Carolina A&T State University in 1984. Johnson played basketball on the collegiate level for two years at Greensboro College, where he realized he wanted to coach basketball, gaining valuable experience for his life work. coaching YMCA basketball teams. Just out of Greensboro College, Johnson began volunteering with the Greensboro Day School basketball squad, and he was soon appointed head boys varsity basketball coach at the relatively young independent school. One year later, he also became the athletics director. During his 40 years at GDS, the athletic program has grown to include more than 40 teams and 85% middle and upper school student participation. There, also, there have also been well over 150 conference and 40 state championship teams during his tenure as athletics director. He has won more than 77% of his games and is the winningest coach in North Carolina high school basketball history. That includes going over the 1,000 victory mark early in the 2017-18 season, a rare accomplishment. He has coached teams to eight state championships in the North Carolina Independent School Athletic Association and was a finalist another eight times. Entering the, the 2017-18 season, his teams had won 24 championships in the Piedmont Athletic Conference of Independent Schools. And Johnson had been the Piedmont Athletic Conference Independent School Conference Coach of the Year 21 times. In 2015, he led the Bengals to the Dick's Sporting Goods High School National Invitation Tournament in New York City and was named the USA Today North Carolina Coach of the Year. Johnson's success at GDS has led to his selection as a coach in six All-Star games, including the 2013 McDonald's All-America game in Chicago and the 1997 Capital Classic All-Star game in Washington, D.C. He has been enshrined into the North Carolina Gators Hall of Fame 2006, Greensboro College Athletic Hall of Fame 2009, and Guilford County Sports Hall of Fame 2011, as well as being awarded the Charles N. Carter NCISAA Athletic Director Cup 2015 and the Greensboro College Alumni Excellence Award 2008. A former player recently wrote, the impact that you, Coach Johnson, have had on my life and many other young, young men looms large. I wanted to let you know that your influence affected the direction of my life in a very positive fashion. I think what I value most about our time together was that I was able to apply the principles that I learned from you and life itself outside of athletics. I didn't realize it at the time, but the hard work and teamwork you instilled in me would be something I would be able to use later in my life. Johnson and his wife, Mary Mar Dillard, have two children, Robert and Catherine, and one grandson. Coaches, Coach Johnson has an unbelievable record. I'm so lucky to kind of get a chance to kind of pick his brain 
on his career and what does it take to build a program? He's been at the same school his entire career. That's rare in these days. Um, here's a couple of just kind of just brief uh, accomplishments. He's had 15 HAECO Little Four Invitational Championships. 25 years since one of his Greensboro Day teams finished with a losing record. That was in 1991-92. 57 players he coached who went on to play college basketball. Mm -hmm. This guy is an unbelievable legend. Um, all the coaches know him. All the, uh, you know, the Dean Smiths, the Coach K's, all of them know uh, Coach Freddie Johnson. This guy is a legend in North Carolina and around the country. Coaches, let's welcome the legend, Freddie Johnson. Coach Johnson, welcome. I've had so many things happen to me that I never dreamed would happen. And it's all a result of uh, being around good people and getting on good teams. Hey, how you doing? Coach Johnson, how are you? How you doing? Good, good. How can you hear me okay? Fine. Can you hear me? That's great. Sounds good, Coach. Man, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you got a lot of other better things to do than talk to uh talk to me on the podcast, but I'm so happy uh, you're it's with my me. It's a pleasure to do it. I you know, I'd love to do talk basketball and, and coach basketball. So I can't think of anything better to do. So do that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I tell you, I'm always looking for the best of the best, and um, I love coaches that have done it a long time. I just, I, I just have always um, admired the older coaches, coaches that have been through the trenches and all that so, such a long time. And I know you have. I love your story, and I want you to share with us today. Um, hey, Coach Brooker, Michael Brooker. I don't know if you know, I, I Michael. know Michael. I remember him. Absolutely. Yes. And he speaks so highly of you. Try, you have helped him out a few times and so forth. Get him some good feedback. But coach, tell us about your kind of your journey and from player to coach. Cause I know I've read a lot about you, but I just want to hear it from your you words. Know, I, you know, I started um, coaching when I was 15 years old and I knew at that point in time, I wanted to be a basketball coach. And so I started at the YMCA coaching, and I coached 13 and 14 years old, and I've been doing it ever since. And uh, I, I, get, <laughs> I, went to, I picked my college here, Greensboro College, and stay in Greensboro because I could continue to coach at the Y. Then I was a very fortunate person. I, uh, I volunteered to come out here at the Greensboro Day School, and I – been here ever since and I coached soccer which I knew nothing about and basketball middle school basketball <laughs> assistant varsity and I did girls softball my first couple of years and that's how yeah absolutely yeah <clears throat> and I know I know people I, I I've read so much about certain mentors helping you out and one was Mac Morris wasn't he that really influenced you into coaching yeah Mac Morris I, I mean he, one thing I learned a lot from him was the fact that taking time when some young coach came to see you and needed help and I, he was like that we used to I used to go to his house all the time in the summer and we sit over there for hours talking basketball and he's probably the best high school basketball coach that I know and what he got out of his teams, of course, he had great players like Danny Manning, but he also had average <laughs> teams that you know beat James Worthy. 
for this team. And so he, he was a great basketball coach, but he was a great mentor to me. And now, and then I was fortunate enough to work a lot of camps and get to know coaches at camps and, and I, nothing I more, the most fun I had was sitting around just talking basketball at the campus over those nights. Yeah. And, and coach, do we do enough of that these days? I, I, I know, Times have changed a little bit, but it seems like everybody's kind of grinded it out, trying to win games, going to, you know, practicing. all. I, I think we practice more than ever these days, and I'm not sure if we're getting better. I'm not sure if the coaches are getting better because I'm not sure if we're sharing enough. Yeah. Is that is that an accurate yeah, statement? Yes, I think it's a very accurate statement. I think the game has changed, and I think what's happened is that the older coaches are not spending the time with the younger coaches. And unfortunately, a lot of our younger coaches are coming up through the travel basketball instead of through the team basketball. I mean, I started the AAU program in Greensboro my first year out of college and ran it for about 20 years. But the thing we did, we used a lot of school coaches to come in and not coaches who are I said travel ball coaches, and uh, I don't think we do a good enough job with that anymore. And then one of the things I try to do is if anybody calls me and wants to get into coaching, I make sure I spend time with them, talk to them, and um, and try to help them out as much as I can, whether it's trying to get a job somewhere or or you know I invite them to our practices, et cetera. I I, I try to keep my practice open for any coach that wants to come. Yeah, that's that's really gracious of you. And I, um, I I read something about one regret that you had was you didn't do enough of that when you were younger. Tell us about that. Do enough of uh, spending time. Uh, yeah, kind of mentoring um, coaches and so yeah, forth. When or I, when uh, I first started out, I, you know, I, you know, a lot of it's a time factor. You you got to put down what, what in order what's important but I didn't do a good enough job of helping I felt like area coaches out when I could have when I had somebody like Mac Morris and other coaches I knew well who spent time with you and make sure that you learn there, there are a lot of guys I got to know at camp and stuff that you know we still to this day we called each other on the phone I mean I got to work coach K's camp when he became you know coach at Duke I got to know him the first year I took like 120 kids to Duke and so that was basically you only had 200 at camp and I I had over half the camp going. So I, I had a really good experience of getting to know coaches. And I got to know uh, Eddie Biedenbach, who's the one that recruited David Thompson at NC State. And he, he helped me a lot in my early years. Yeah, and don't you find out that, and I think it's kind of a, uh, a misnomer a little bit, that when, when, the, when you help somebody – I think you also learn a little bit about yourself, oh, don't you? Yes, Coach? you do. I'm tell you what. I think every time I help somebody, I come back with something I have learned and something I need to do a better job at. And I think that, you know, I th one one of the things going back to the AU stuff a little bit, a lot of those people don't want you to help them. They think they already know stuff. I'm a type of person. <laughs> I when I think I know everything, it's time to quit because there's no way that's true. Because uh, you, you've got to know 
you, you've got to keep learning. You got to stay current. You got to have the ability to change what you're doing. And I, I think that that's what's happened to a lot of people. They get kind of stuck in that and we don't teach the game anymore. I was talking to, um, a coach the other day, a college coach, and he he just got through coaching the, some of our Olympic teams and stuff. And he was talking about how the overseas the kids are so much better fundamentally than they are here. And I mm-hmm. think that's a problem because we we have great athletes, but we do not do a good enough job of teaching the fundamentals anymore. Yeah, when I and I, I have a, I, I just have the great fortune of interviewing so many great coaches. I just love learning from you guys. Uh, Don Showalter, yes, I'm sure you yes, know Don. Um, he tells me like stories. He's a fundamental guru. I, I steal all of his drills. It's like I'm going to steal a lot of your stuff that you're going to tell me, coach. But I'm always trying to learn. But he said fundamentals are not being taught. And um, why is that? Are we becoming, I guess, is it, is it, is it we're afraid of getting into the detail of teaching? What, why is that? Yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, that coaches today don't do enough teaching. They, re, they rely on the players being a – so athletic so they're lacking the fundamentals uh and uh i think and personally i think you keep it simple and you you work on certain things whether it's your transition game which so many of your points come now now we run a transition game but when that when we don't get the quick basket we have things we're running off of that and still looking to get a good basket i mean i you know one of my best questions i love when i'm around any coach is to ask them about shot selection what are your rules shot selection? Right. And then if I watch a game they're coaching in, I look at that. And that, that seems to be the hardest thing, I think, in today's basketball for me to understand. If you do have rules on shot selection, why don't you enforce them? Because, it, I, you know, there's so many coaches that tell you they got these rules. And you go watch them. That, that's not true. Uh, and I don't, I don't believe that anybody teaches kids today what's a good shot and what's a bad shot. And that's, of course, starts in practice, you know. And I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, and I read something the other day about, and I think a lot of coaches are like that, and I could be like that myself, but I really try not to, is I think coaches are afraid of their players. I know it sounds kind of crazy, oh. but. Or afraid no, of the parents. Yes, or afraid of parents. Yes, is, and we had, I had a meeting with my uh, point guard yesterday, and we talked about his college recruiting, and he's had over half the ACC schools offering, Tennessee, uh, Texas Tech, et cetera. And, you know, I talked to him about why so many kids are transferring now and all the problems in college basketball and how the recruiting process don't rely on the top five. Are they happy at the school? You need to ask that ninth, tenth, eleventh man how they feel about the coach in the school. And But I, I really – it's no doubt coaches are afraid of the players. There's so many transfers, uh, whether it's in AAU basketball, travel basketball, kids are moving from team to team. I don't know how a college coach can go scout anybody because they, they can play somewhere. I know a kid that played for a team on a Friday night at a tournament. Then on Saturday, he played one game. He left and went to play for another team in a different uh, association the next two days. And, 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 and and the coach that he left was scared to throw him off the team because they needed him. And I'm like, how could you have a kid like that around? But I think that's why you got these transfers in high school and you got so many and so many kids moving around in AAU because of this. And parents are so 
demanding and so thinking that their kids can be the next, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, et cetera. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, they just don't understand that, especially if they're under six, four, it's really not going to happen. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that I spoke to a coach yesterday, um, uh, Joseph Dix, he's a head voice coach at uh, Collins Hill High School. You probably know yes. where that is. It's a big high school out here in, in Sewanee, Georgia. And uh, he says that the transfers are ridiculous. He doesn't even know who's on his team right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's, that's part of the culture. Doesn't Georgia have more of an open, I mean, kids come in from everywhere to play at their high schools, right? They are. Hey, Coach, in Atlanta, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think there was like 150 transfers just in Atlanta, but mostly from the big schools. I mean, it's like it's like a college program. Yeah, we played at Norcross uh, and played Wheeler a couple years back, and they were playing. Yeah, yeah. uh, These kids all where they all came in from, and I'm like, God, hey, how do you, you know, to me, us, our big thing is culture at Greensboro Day. We have a, I say, I always tell kids, we have a basketball program. We start in sixth grade, teach them, and they learn what we expect out of them. And by the time they get up to JVs, they're pretty well, they know what's going on. And our, and our culture is, you know, doing your, your classwork. That's number one. If you don't do your classwork, my kids will tell you they don't play. That's my most important thing to them. And then, you know, and on the court, defense is what we're known for. And we're going to play defense and we're going to run our stuff. And, and, and that's just something it's hard when kids come in for one year or two years, we, we don't get kids for one year. We don't take seniors, but you know, even the juniors that come in, it takes a half a year if they get used to playing with us. And, and any, any of my guys who are in college and come back and talk to the kids, they tell them that. And it's true. There are very few players I've ever had that are ready to go in November. It's not like January before they're ready. Yeah, and tell me about – I love. I mean, people. a lot of people talk about culture, um, and I think culture trumps strategy big time. Tell us how you're developing that culture at Greensboro Day because you've been – You've been a coach there. You've been so loyal to the school. How have you done that? And also, how have you built that culture from day one to now? You know, know, started forty-two years ago. My first, my first (laughs) season was five and eleven. My first three games, we lost by over a hundred points total. One of the games, one of the games during the game, a fire started in the upper bleachers. And my team was ready to leave. I said, no, we're not finishing the game. I think we were down like 40 at that point. And, I, and uh, <laughs> so, I, mean, I started at the bottom and, and I, and I learned and I learned how important it is to know your kids off the court and, and get to let them get to know you and what you expect and what you think is important uh, that for them to buy in. And, you know, and, and it's, it's helped me over the years. My, I have my, players who play for me come back and talk to the current players and and that's a big thing and we're on my staff i have a guy that works at a bank called bbnt and he he works in their leadership program there and he brings a lot of that stuff over here and we do a lot of stuff on leadership you know 
what do we want to be? We pick out four words every year that we make important, whether it's teamwork, communication, et cetera. And, and we pick out those words and we have each kid speak and talk about what's important to them. So we do a lot. It's a, we do a lot of interacting off the court in a classroom of talking about stuff and, and showing, we'll show some great quote by some athlete and we'll show and we'll talk about that quote. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about what makes Duke so good or makes UNC so good. We'll talk about what they do so well. And then we'll, and we'll show tape of that and then we'll show tape of what we do. Yeah, I love that. And that sounds so familiar. I spoke to Kevin Kiernan, who's the head girls coach at Modern Day High School in California. Uh, you pro- I listened to some of that. That was a good interview. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I learned so much. And it sounds very similar um, to what you're saying. But he said that when he first started out, man, it was not about that. Have kids changed? Is that why we're – Maybe they're not getting it home, so we have to actually step in. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think he made a comment about how his personality changed, how he dealt with the kids. I think uh, that is definitely true. I think how I was as a young coach and et cetera. I, I think kids have changed. I mean, you know, everyone used to dive on the floor. Now it's now we get excited when somebody dies on the floor, you know, because they don't do it. And I, I really think that it goes back to the parent piece. And I, I think you got you got you got a system. You got to deal with the individual coach. You got to deal with the travel ball coach. You got to deal with the parent. And those are so important to do. And so what I do. I try to steer my guys to certain individual coaches and I try to have them work out with the kids in my gym because I can watch them work out and I try to have a relationship with that individual coach. And when the travel ball comes around, I, I have the best assistants in the world. And one of them is Jeff Smith who coached in college and he goes, he went like this year, he went to Atlanta and Augusta. And I went to Rock Hill and Augusta, and we saw every one of our players play but one. And he's the kid that's committed to Virginia, which we didn't feel like we really needed to see him as much. He was in Alabama. Hey, coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Sharman White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. Importance of, uh, I think it, players. I think it was practice. Players, players. You win with players. Absolutely. Kind of continue on with that. They got to believe in you. I mean, I mean, 
Like right now in my gym, I have J.P. Mormon who starts at Temple, who will be a junior, Jordan Perkins who starts at North Carolina Central, and John Newman who starts at Clemson. They're all in my gym working out, and they come to my door. And what, J.P. just came to my door. They want to give me a hug every time they come into the gym. And you kind of <laughs> have that kind of relationship. And, and we, I mean, we have no problem telling each other we love each other. I mean, I had Jordan Perkins call me this year halfway through December when I lost a couple of games. He said, Coach, I love you. You know, and I'm like, Jordan, that means a lot to me today for you to call out and say that to me, you know. And I, I think you got to build those relationships. I mean, it's so darn important. And, you know, 42 years, I'm 65 years old, and I have, I've had to learn to change. And I've had to, I've, I've had to um, you know, adapt with the change and this stuff. And, and I, I do a pretty good job of trying to do that with them and stuff. Yeah, and you, you don't know that until down the road, right, Coach, when they come back and visit and say, hey, Coach, man, I appreciate what you've done for them. You, so you really don't know, no, you but you, don't. Have really invest, you have really invested in those guys, and they love you for that, right? You're, you're right. You, they, you don't know. You just hope you're doing the right thing. And, and, I, I'm, and again, I have such good assistant coaches that it, it makes my job a lot easier, and I have kids that are bought into the program. If you heard those kids talk to a new student visiting the school, you, to hear them tell them about the basketball program and stuff and the academics. And a lot of times I leave the room for 15, 20 minutes because I want the, the person visiting to understand that, you know, I, they're not saying this because I'm in the room. I want, them, I want them to tell them the truth. And I, and I think that, that's the best thing about our culture. They believe in what we're doing. They're willing to work whether it's six in the morning coming in and working out or it's nine o'clock at night, you know, we try to meet them out here and let them, let them take shots or whatever they need to do. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, yeah. Your assistant coaches, you find out, I guess, how they feel about you when you're not in the room. Right. Cause yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's your culture, right. When you're not there. Right. Right. And you know, I, it is, you know, it's it, 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 to me, I hate not seeing the kids. It, it, I hate the first couple of weeks in August because you don't get to see them. And that I think the kids are, I'm lucky our kids believe in what we're doing and they enjoy what they're doing. Now they're not going to agree with us all the time. And I let them, they want to come to my office and talk. My door is always open for them to do that too. But we also have required three or four meetings a year where I bring them in and I ask them tough questions because they will ask me questions and talk. Because roles are huge. Like we, we, right. when you get a new kid, as you know, when you get a new kid that comes into your program, my more most important thing is I ask the kids, "What do you think? Do you do you like him? Do you think we can play with him?" And you know, if they say no, then I'm going to advise that student to go somewhere else to school. And uh, you know, when so they say yes, that it's a lot better feeling. We're all, already on the same page on that. Yeah, because that's important. Um, and as Ke I think Kevin Kiernan said the same thing. It's like he wants you to be a great, great teammate. I mean, that's that's the main thing he was talking about. You be, right. you got to be able to get along with other people, particularly at the girls level that him and I coach at. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just as vital on on the boys side. It is. I, I think in girls, and I coach girls tennis and girls softball. And I think with girls especially is you, uh, Ansel Dorrance, who's the soccer coach at Carolina, who coached the women's team there, so great. He did the men's team for a long time. 
And so he used to come to Greensboro and work out with the local travel girls who are really good. And so I've had a chance to talk to him numerous times. And my big thing I asked him was, hey, how do you coach boys and girls? He said, girls, you don't ever tell a group of girls one girl's play great. But in boys, you can do that. He said, girls, you got to tell them they all play great and stuff. And I, But I think in today's time, it's become they're both almost the same. You can't single out one boy and tell him he's playing great because somebody else will get jealous now. I think you got to talk as groups and, and, and team and not individual stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Coach, I, I want you to talk about North Carolina basketball because I, I think it I – know, I know I know how good it is but I'm not sure if my listeners really know. Uh, and then the great coaches out there, we can always talk about Coach K and Dean Smith, and I'm sure you have stories about them. Talk about North Carolina high school basketball, how good it is. You know, North Carolina basketball was good because you know, we have so many good colleges here, and minus the state, Carolina, Duke, and Wake Forest, we have other teams. you got Queens, which is the D2 program in Charlotte, who's been in the Final Four three of the last four years. Uh, you know, it's it to me. It, it, you you got you got so many kids that can play, and you got so many programs that are good that every game that you play, the opponents are bringing their best out. And you know you, you take Cox Mill last year with Wendell Moore's going to Duke this year, and he was an exceptional player. But they were three other guys on his team that were really good players. Mm-hmm. I think I think we have depth, and you know in in the state basketball wise we have some of the best programs out there uh you know and also we're lucky to have so many good coaches in the public and private schools we're very fortunate in that area and in my area especially most of the coaches in my area have been around for years they haven't jumped and changed jobs it's a good place to work in gifford county and you know in the private schools when you look you look down in charlotte you have providence who had grant williams they have um Devin Dobson at uh, Kansas. They have Wentz at uh, Santa Clara. I mean, they had great players. Charlotte Christian, of course, has had great players. Curry, for one, and go through their program. So you got a lot of good private schools and a lot of good uh, public schools. I think there were over 100 kids last year in North Carolina that went on to play in college. So it sounds like, to me, coaches are not moving around. Why is that? Is it is it the administration's better? Because I know a lot of administrations that put a lot of pressure on coaches to win, you know, at, you know, at all costs that results in, in, in losing a lot of times. So how, how are you keeping these coaches around? Well, I, I, you know, I don't, my, you know, being in the private school world, uh, you know, we, they don't usually fire coaches for winning or losing. I mean, it's more so, you know, doing your job, and, and taking care of things off the court you get in trouble for. And, uh, you, know, you know, you think about it, in the last five years we've had three, six kids that have been drafted in the NBA in this area. And, you, you know, whether it's a Kobe White or Grant Williams or whoever, you know, you just you got the kids are good kids. And I think that, you know, if you – if you want to go to a good school, we have so many good universities and colleges in North Carolina. I think that helps. But as far as – I don't think – best of my knowledge, I can't think of a coach that's gotten fired for not winning. Anyway. 
where that's not the same. yeah, and that's, that's not the same in uh, <laughs> Indiana or places like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly on that. That that that's a good sign, Coach. I mean, that's um that that's a good sign of the actually the old culture of basketball in your in your state. Um, is that is that just you know part of the you have like a coaches association out there? there there's a reason for that because I don't see that in a lot of states. Mm. Um, so congratulations to what you guys are doing out there. Yeah, you know what? We do have a coaching association. But, you know, the other thing that is so many of us that reach out to each other and, you know, and are, spend time with each other we'll, and we'll get four or five of us together and talk basketball or or one of the local colleges will call us up. We got a, a guy named Wes Miller who coaches at UNCG. He played at Carolina. And he's gone to UNCG, and he's done a wonderful job there. He's always reaching out to local coaches. And you can pick up the phone and call him anytime you want to know something. You can go to his practices. And and we have a lot of guys like that, not just the Coach K's, the Coach Wims. We got a guy named Bart Lundy who's at Queens who's done such a great job. We got guys all the way across the state. And I think another thing is our administrators understand athletics and and that allows us to develop these young people into student athletes. And I think we're very fortunate in that area that we have such great support. Well, to my school, which I, my first headmaster played for Letty Drizel. So, I mean, I was lucky. I, I stepped into a situation where, you know, athletics was very important. Yeah, they, it sounds like you guys have your priorities correct. Coach, tell me about my next question is what I call my top three. I think you have to have three areas whether that's that you really believe in in your program. What is your top three that you guys have conviction for in your program? Well, obviously, our number one thing above anything is defense, and and I, I would tell you that that you if you ask my kids what's the number one thing in our program, they're going to tell you defense. The other is trust and being responsible for your, your actions. And, and, uh, and, and we trust each other on the court and off the court. And by building that trust, I think that it really helps your total program and, and your culture, of course. And the last one, which and as you, you would probably agree with me on this one, knowing your role. What is your role right. as a player? Are you, is your role to go out there and shoot threes? as your role to uh, uh, get the rebounds or whatever. But I think knowing your role, and I think one of the, I think young coaches and these travel coaches don't do a good enough job with explaining that to players. What is your role? Because, you know, it, hey, you better be honest because you're not honest. It's going to come back and get you. You know, you got to tell them what the roles are. Yeah, I'm a good friend of mine, Gene Durden, who coaches over here at Buford, a great coach, girls coach out here. He all, he always says, "I tell them the yes, truth." Yes, that's big. That's it. That that's it, and he does. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like somebody asked me, "How's your team doing?" In November, I go, "It's great. We haven't played a game. Everybody's happy. Everybody's thrilled about their roles because we hadn't had taken the court." And you know, and as you well know, you play in the summer, you'll play running clocks and stuff like this. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, 
mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Of, of, of the um, events in June. So what we did in North Carolina, the private schools weren't able to play with the public this year, but we were able to do our separate event. And so what we've done is we went out and we had over 100 college coaches come through here in June to watch the event. And we invited 32 private school mm. teams. And then the next weekend, we went to Charlotte and did the same thing in Charlotte. The public schools did a team camp. I mean, excuse me, a player camp. And then they played as teams down in Charlotte. And they invited four South Carolina teams. So they, they picked their 40 teams where we let anybody come. But we, t- we took 32 total is all it came total. But I think that's – if you ask the college coaches, they like watching the kids play in an organized team situation a lot better than they like watching kids in a travel ball situation because they, they can see more of the kids. And plus they can sit here all day and see a ton of games. I mean, I mean Danny Manning from Blake, I don't think he missed a game in our gym for three days. Uh, Tony Bennett was here. I mean, we had a ton of college coaches come through here. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm right. I'm writing that down. I know that we're always looking for ideas to improve our the summer program out here and so forth. What we usually do is, you know, we we go to team camps and we travel and things like that outside. But I, I really like that, Coach. Um, man, I appreciate you sharing I, I would, that. I think. Yeah. I mean, only 16 states approved it this year, but I think uh, okay. Georgia did a big voice one at Norcross. Uh, Virginia okay. Had okay. One. Uh, South Carolina had a big one around here, but I think, to be honest with you, I think the women's programs are going to go towards that. Is what, what I keep it told. But it was a great for us because they gave us a chance to have our guys in a I call it a real basketball situation. The first weekend we did a like a pool play tournament type thing. The second weekend we just switched opponents, and you know, it, it, it was it was really well attended and we really enjoyed doing it man i think if you ask any of the college coaches they loved it yeah because i i think i love how the ncaa is trying to get the uh accent they're, they're trying to get the high school coach back in the picture because i think for a long time the the travel coach was in the picture and i don't think that was good no, right? i don't think so either i, I think that you know it's it was it's hurt. It's hurt kids that that um, because they're playing travel ball, and then they're they're changing teams so much, and they, and you get the same right. in a team concept where that week, these two weekends in June, you got to watch players and their with their teams, and 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 I think that's so I, that's so much better. Now there are a lot of other things the NCAA needs to change as they weren't through this, but I really was impressed. Uh, they listened to college coaches and high school coaches, and they were proactive of getting this thing started. So, yeah, because I know so many coaches that have contacted me. You know, they say, "Hey, I was never contacted by any college coach. It was all the the club coach and so forth." But uh, I've been very, and I want to ask you this next question, kind of lead to that. I have a player that she is going to play at the Division One level. She's a junior. Very good player, already being recruited by smaller schools like Mercer and Tennessee Tech, think up schools like that. Give me some, I, 
what's what's the best thing I can do to help her out? Well, I, I think you have a direct communication to colleges that she's interested in. What we do is we sit down with our, what a, after their junior year, we would have our second conference. Usually before their junior year, we have our first, where we ask them, ask her what school she's looking at. And I would, if I was you, I would directly contact them by phone or by email. And now I'm a phone guy, type guy, not an email. I do much better talking on the phone. And so I, I like to do it sure. that way. Now I realize there's some of them, you know, they, they're going to give me some, there's no way. Like they may give me Carolina and there's no way to kick a play Carolina. I might send a, an email there, but I make sure I reach out and then take Mercer. What a beautiful facility that they got. I mean, it's a gorgeous and, sure. You know, and I think the kids, they don't understand how doesn't matter where you go. There's a lot of good programs, but you better go somewhere where you fit in academically and where you can do get your major and stuff. And and I, I would tell you to make sure you cover that with her, too. So it's not the wrong way. It's not yes, the wrong and I, small school. I mean, it's a great place. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think you're right. I think Mercer. Both Mercer and Tennessee Tech, uh, and I know the coaches there, so that that helps. And it's you know Mercer's local to us here in Georgia, and they have great academics, like you said. I know a lot of all the coaches out there, so that that helps too. The connection. Um, hey, tell me about uh, your system of play. I always like asking coaches, "What is your system? Are you a system coach, or are you kind of basic change it every year based on your play?" I change. It's funny you asked me this back <laughs> because, you know, we have five really good guards and we have uh, three pretty good big guys too. But, you know, we have five guards. So that we got to figure out how to make sure they get enough playing time. And so my assistant was driving to the beach the other day. It was a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive, and I bet we talked two hours about it, and that we're going to make some changes where we're a little more we're looser. We're going to let them do more stuff, much uh, that play running and sets, and that we're going to, you know, spread it out more. We won't use the dribble drive very much, but we use five out more. And so uh, one thing we've we've had the ability to change what we do depending on what players we have. And, but it all, our stuff rolls all back. Like you come to a fall workout, you're going to see defense. And what you usually don't see if you're traveling around watching fall workouts, we do 20 minutes of defense at every fall walk workout, and then we'll do some fundamental stuff offensively. But we, 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 our whole concept is based around our defense and how well we play that. And, uh, and if we do a good job with that, that it, it turns that we turn the ball over and we get easy baskets. And so, you know, so our my philosophy changes year to year. To be honest with you, now we still run sets. Don't get me wrong, we're running out of timeouts on dead balls. Sometimes after made baskets, but I, I this year I'll go more pushing the ball up the court and trying to score faster. Yeah, and I love you know we basically have five guards. Well, my problem is I have five guards, coach, but also we have a new player coming in who's six foot one and she can play. So I, I got a that's a good problem oh, to have, yeah, right? That's a great problem to have. I'm very happy. Do you do you, do you, do you <laughs> vent your parents? Do you talk to your parents that are, when you got a new parent coming in? Do you do you sit down with the parent and talk to them about what you expect and stuff? 
I actually, I have matter of fact, they, they're, they're actually they're coming from Michigan, but I had an opportunity to sit down with, he's got a, a junior uh, girl. Uh, and also he has a eighth grade girl and they're both like really good players. We are very fortunate. Uh, we, we have a great area out here that people love to come mm-hmm. to, but um, yeah, absolutely. You got to communicate. You, they got to know who you are at that first meeting, right? Correct. And you and you got to make darn sure you do a good job of that. I mean, I I think that we as coaches, we're uh, kids looking at come through our school. We forget that we've got to make sure they understand when they're coming in. It's different, and if, if to have a winning program, it's got to be different. And and we get kids coming all the time. We're averaging twenty some points a game. Well, they're not going to average twenty points for us. We're going to have five or six guys scoring 10, 12, 14. So. I think it's important the parent understands that. Now, the kids are a lot easier to understand than the parent. So I'm always curious what what coaches do. I, I don't think you can build a culture with one-year players. I think you can do it with two. I think you almost got to have two years to get a player to buy into what you're doing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's taken us about four years now. I, I've, I've been here four years, and we built – uh, really a program from scratch is kind of a new charter school, but yeah, it's, it's taken a little time. Um, and now we're kind of seeing the fruits of our labor a little bit. Coach, how do you, how do you take the talent that you have? You know, you have a lot of good players. How do you mesh them into one sync group? Uh, you know, we do, as I, I go back to the, what my coach who does a lot of the uh, classroom stuff with them. We do a lot of, you know, personal stuff where we have a good example is you and I would be paired up as partners and I would have to give a report on you, uh, a PowerPoint report on you, and he'd have to give one, uh, you would have to give one. And and, and that way we're trying to um, get them to know each other off the court. And I pair, pair right. a returning player up with a new player. Everyone hands their strengths uh and how, do you, how they use these strengths and stuff. And, again, I go back to the role. I, I'm clear on the roles, and, uh, and I'm very – I'm making sure they understand. I'm to most important guys to keep happy. Aren't you starting five? They're going to be happy. It's, it is – you know, it used to be 10, 11, and 12. We don't play. But now it's become mm-hmm. more, uh, more of uh, – uh, to me, it's the seven, eight, nine, nine player understanding roles. And uh, to be successful, uh, you, you, they got to have individual success. But, you know, it all boils down to team success at the end. So, Yeah, and that, and that takes a lot of extra effort by coaches, right? You got to really sit down, communication, uh, constant talk. You got to have good assistants that can help you with that to reinforce those no roles, right? And, and, and I'll bring this up, and I'm sure you coach your girls basketball, you have a big problem too. Telephones, the cell phones. Uh, I'm big on mm-hmm. taking those. We go on overnight trips, and we spend the night, I take the phones. And I make them, and we go to dinner, they don't have the phones out. I want them communicating with each other. I want them talking to each other. I mean, I get up and go around the table and talk to all of them and, and ask them questions. I just don't, I don't think as coaches today, we communicate enough off the court about other things other than basketball. We kind of let them know that we care about their families, we care about their schoolwork, we care about their friends, 
and and stuff. So I think that's so important to be successful. The X's and O's are important. Don't get me wrong, but I I really do believe relationships and and stuff like that are the biggest things that stay successful. And you know, when you're somewhere for 42 years, I mean, we have when I started here, I was the eighth man on the team that year. We only had eight players. I was eight. I, and and, and <laughs> so we only had seven kids that played varsity. My first year, I was yeah. head coach. So I I think you know to build it up, and I've seen the good and the bad and the very good, and to build the program up. It's the kids who win for you. It's your assistant coaches you pick that make you better. And as a head coach, your job is to keep learning. And you know, I, I I don't know if you read some of these things that come out. Kevin Eastman, do you know him? Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I actually had Kevin. Yeah, he was on one of the podcasts. He's great. A, Kevin, I've known him for a while, and I'm going to tell you what. That, that guy said some great – he said something out great today about living in the present, the future, and stuff. And, yeah, I try to read – I try to go through my mail every day for 30 minutes and read my basketball stuff that comes in, my email. And, and as I said, I try to listen to tapes in the morning. And I, I think we got to keep learning and we got to keep – and we got to keep meeting new people and learning different things. And, and hey, I want to meet somebody successful in something other than basketball. I love talking to football coaches sure. or tennis coaches and stuff. I love to pick their brains while they're good, you know. Yeah, I love that. You're, you're as Kevin says, you're a learn-it-all, and that sounds like what you're doing, man. And I love what you do. I think you, you're really kind of continuing to sharpen your saw, build your craft. I mean – and I love that even all the success you've had, you continually, continually grow. And I think a lot of coaches can learn from that. Coach, talk to me about practices, because I think everybody runs practice different. Um, tell me about your philosophy of practice. How do you get the maximum out of your kids in practice? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Years ago, I used to practice two hours and stuff. And I never I had I was with Seth Greenberg at a game when he was at Virginia Tech and he was explaining to me he had all these young guys and he couldn't keep their attention and they would lose them by hours so in practice. Well I went back and thought about that because I was having a little shaky year at the time and I said, you know what, I'm gonna try that. So I make sure that sixty minutes of practice is extremely intense and not much talking by me. I like to hear the kids' voices at the gym. And, I, and, and I've cut my practice time back like that, where we'll go 60 minutes. But I like to change what we do, and I don't do the same things. Like, I don't start out with the same drills to start practice. I'll flip it. I'll put those drills in the middle or I'll put them at the end. I like to keep them in a chain. And actually, believe it or not, I think it was on your – I think I heard you on – did the last coach talk about playing music at practice? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I hardly yes. believe I, I've allowed that the last couple of years. That I'll the first <laughs> ten or fifteen minutes I'll turn music on, and while they're shooting, warming right. up, and uh, stretching and stuff, and and they they love that now. They love that. They don't want me to pick up the music, but they love to do, do stuff like that. <laughs> I, you know, we'll, we'll go hour and a half. Our group. In the 15 minutes, and and as or so, and I, I try to never go more than 90 minutes because I don't think you can keep their attention more than that. 
I just don't believe you can. So, uh, and so I have, I don't, I mean, we got to learn how to communicate with them and it's hard that telephones are the best way to get communication the way they are. So I just try to show attention long enough. Yeah, I love that. I think short is better. I've learned that. Yeah, too. I, I absolutely love that. Um, what do you do um, for discipline as far as kid make everybody's different? Um, you know, what do you do to make sure players stay on task? Do you run them? Do you what, what's kind of your discipline measure for your kids is for mistakes? Yeah, that's, it's funny you say that because my older players come back and tell me I don't run them enough. I'm not as strict as I used to be. And I tell them what's up there. Yeah, it's very different yeah. now. You guys, it's not quite the same. I, I, yeah, everybody's not paying attention. We all run. You know, I will do that some. Usually, I have not had an issue with that. What I will do if somebody has a consistent issue is that plan. And, uh, and that usually works the best. But, you know, I, my philosophy yeah. is if I do any running, I like it to be in something like a game action, what is transition running. Like if there, if somebody does something they shouldn't do, we might run transition for five minutes consistently and keep going. Instead of running, we call them sixes now. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back six times. But I, I, I try to stay away from running just to, to run them for doing something wrong. To something that pertains to basketball and uh, Instead of just running for the sake of running, or I sit them on the bench. I, that always works. They, they, That's usually the best discipline, right there. <laughs> no doubt. Been, uh, playing time is huge for all the kids, and if you take some of that away from them, you just don't have a problem with that. And uh, and I'm not gonna say I don't have problems, but I think it's cut my problems down a lot. And we have fun. That's great. Fun. I have, Make sure we have fun. That's important. You know. That's a, I think it's that to me, coach, is huge. I think I just have this philosophy. I don't know why I use these two words, but I asked my players, like, what do you think about our system of play? And they said, Coach, joy and freedom. And I think those are two key words. That is uh, you know, I was I was listening to something the other day and uh, then I read something the other day about you know, we, 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 we have them so organized that it's no pickup anymore and that we have them where mm -hmm. they got to do so much stuff that, you know, they're saying, God, I'm dreading. I got to be at the weight room today. I got to do this. That I've last couple of years, I have tried to go away from demanding so much. I was talking to a, um, when the Carolina assistants the other day and they, they're starting practice September 27th or something. And he was saying, you know, now God, Freddie, wh what do you do? We, we, you got so many injuries. How do you, how in the world do we keep it? You know, kids getting hurt. And I, I've, 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 I pushed away from so much organized stuff. I like to make sure if we do work out, I like to you know, on Fridays, I let, I like to let them just play. And I don't, I don't care if they right. don't get up and down the court. That's your choice. You know, I'm not going to get out there and, and coach them because you know they got to have some of that freedom. And in the weight room, we they have a place they go away from school. Now we do some at school, but I don't go down there. That's their spot. That's their place. I mean, I've been down there a couple of times, but I don't go because I want them to go down there and be themselves and enjoy it. And without us, I mean, they're going to listen to us for. 
four months and they don't need to listen to me for right. nine, 10 months. So I, I, I've become not as uh, structured in the all season stuff, I would say. Yeah, that's great that you've done it. I, I, I would probably guarantee, Coach, you probably didn't do that early days. Probably, no. It's amazing how you made those adjustments. No, I, was, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't do that early on. We, everything they did was structured. <laughs> but, you know, the world's changed. you gotta, you got to change with it. And I think kids will change. we got to change with them. But you know what? It's nothing better, and I'm sure you believe the same thing. It's nothing more fun than coaching kids. It's to me – and I, yeah. I take my older players, I try to take them out to lunch here in August, each one of them, and just have 45 minutes with them one-on-one. I'll tell you what, I'm so happy to be back around them. I'm so happy that they're all back coming back to school in a week and that I get to do stuff with them because, I mean, they're like, that's my life. You know? And I, I also am lucky. I don't know if you're married, but I'm lucky. I have a great wife, and she actually goes to the scouts with me sometimes. And uh, – <laughs> That's what I read. Yeah. And so that makes it great. And my grandkids get to come to the games. So that makes it special. So I do think that you build your family, no matter if you're married or not married, your, your family is the basketball team and your wife and kids i mean it's all of you and when you do that you're going to be happy off the court and on the court and and i go back to my parents that you know we do social stuff like we'll have team stuff out of we'll do stuff everybody get to know each other because it's real important your parents know each other and support each other Yeah, and, and what do you do with it? I'm only have a couple sure. more questions, Coach. I know you're busy. You got to get, you're an AD, you're busy, you're doing all sorts of stuff. But what do you do with your parents? Uh, I'm thinking about doing some some more events with my parents this year. What do you do? What I'm going to do this year, we hadn't done with the parents. We did it two couple of years ago. We're going to go bowling. And uh, we're going go to go bowling. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, set up some kind of, you know, mill there at the ball alley and and divide everybody up two kids and two parents and uh and we 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 our parents will have you over to what the senior parents usually have everybody over for starts and we get to know each other uh we're gonna have a parent meeting this year where we're gonna cover sportsmanship and recruitment and i'm bringing somebody who's, okay. in, who's in the southern conference he's a conference, and uh CG, who deals with all the recruiting stuff and sportsmanship stuff, conference. Him in again, is to my group, and I'm going to use in Greensboro to do stuff like different stuff and help try to educate the parents. And I mean, I've seriously thought about doing this. I haven't done it yet. Thinking about bringing an official in and let them explain the rules because I mean, those parents have missed a call in their life in the sand. So. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you said a good term, uh, whatever, a couple good words is is educate the parents. And I think we don't, as coaches, take the time for that because I think if we can do that, I think you avoid a lot of mishaps, right? <laughs> Prevention. You really will. And I, I, I think that if you can get the parents on your side and, and understand what you're trying to accomplish, you're in pretty good shape. And, uh, I, and you know, it, it, Young coaches don't aren't ready for that. 
and, and it's hard. But I, 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 it's a couple of young coaches I've tried to that just got jobs this year in the state, and I've made sure I've reached out to them and talked to them because I just feel like that's something I need to do. And uh, and I, I think that they got they got to prioritize what they're doing. And a good friend of mine got whose son got out of coaching because he's had two young kids and stuff. And I understand that too. We've lost some really good coaches in North Carolina. The guy Cox Mill retired last year, and they got Millbrook a couple of years ago retired, and because of their families. And and they they were great coaches. But you you've got to be able to balance all that stuff. If you don't, it'll it'll stress you out. You know. Yeah, balance is a key word. Coach, give me your favorite – I ask this every coach. I want your favorite drill. I want the the GDS, Greensboro Day School, favorite drill for their boys program. Believe it wait for us, and it's, it is a passing, basic full-court passing drill where we uh, end up – hit shooting the layup at the end. And what we do is we start with layups at the first couple of weeks. Then as the season goes along, we dunk, we want them to try to dunk every shot, even the kids who can't dunk. And right. it creates, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, is meeting all, meeting all, to the next guy at half court and he takes one power dribble he does a bounce pass in for the kid to dunk and it, it is the kids have so much fun doing that drill and and we will we we do that and uh and we do our best to you know to try to let them have a little fun and that's at the end of the year we like to end practice with that drill Uh, that's that's our favorite. That's our team's favorite drill. And my favorite drill. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I absolutely, I'm going to steal that. Can I call it the Greensboro yeah, drill, yeah, or yeah, should I? I always name it. Skip Prosser years ago at Wake, and I tell you, it's a great <laughs> Wake Forest. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll call it out and send it to you. Okay? Can okay, if you can send that to me, that'd be great, Coach. I love to share that. I'd be happy to do that. Happy to send it to you. That'd be. Coach, um, special teams, I think this is underrated part of the game. I really – I focus a lot on what I call my, my two-minute segment where I want to win that last two minutes of the game. Tell us about how do you win the last two minutes of the game? If it's in a tight game, unless you're up by yeah. 40, but the last, if it's a tight well, game. I, we win it before the game even starts because we, we are um... – we spend one day a week on Sunday. We usually come out here on Sundays. You, you might not be able to. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. 
We have speakers starting at 8 a.m. and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put <clears throat> a special code <clears throat> of legends when you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care. Hey, how are you? I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Nah, don't hey, don't worry about that at all. Welcome back. Yeah, I want you to – could you quickly go over that? Because it was kind of a little roughly heard. I want you to go over your favorite drill again, just really quick. Can you do that for me? Yeah, the, my, our favorite drill, we call it wet forest. I learned it from Skip Crosser. And basically, you start the drill with a rebound off the board. You hit an outlet pass, and the guy re, uh, meets the pass. Just that he squares up, he hits the guy coming in at half court, he catches, squares up, and he makes a balance pass. And we do it beginning of the year that you shoot all layups. You can't dunk it. But what we do is we make it into a fun drill where they get the dunk from and and they love it. Even the five foot eight guy who can't dunk who tries to dunk. And I, that's one thing they have to convince me to let them have fun in practice. That's probably the most fun they have in practice because they love, you know, all players want to dunk today, you know, and, right. and so, uh, and I encourage them to all try it. And, uh, and, and they, they really, they really get into it. I mean, they really enjoy it and it helps to loosen up practice. And I, I think what I do is the year goes along. I do it at the end of practice because I like to finish up with them having a lot of fun sometimes. But I'm going to draw that. I'll draw that for you and send it to you. That'd be great, Coach. Thank you. I totally agree with that. I think, I think, how you end practice will determine how you do the next practice. Right? Correct. Correct. And and it's and and for us, we'll, we'll plan a practice out for a week, but we'll make a ton of changes depending on how things go in practice. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a whole nother podcast there on how you make adjustments during a practice. I think yeah. it should be more because if things aren't going well, sometimes you just got to cut bait. Am I am yeah. I way off there? No, you're a hundred. I'm with you a hundred percent. Things aren't going well, and you're not doing, and you've lost them. You better be able to react and change what you're doing. And I, I, I don't ever. I mean, in my younger days, I threw teams out of practice. I never do that. I, mean, I figured that they're not, if it's going to be a bad practice, we're going to be doing something that to that's worthwhile at least in practice. And, and I think you've got to be able to adapt. To, kids aren't going to be good every day. So, right, right, absolutely. And of course, we aren't either. <laughs> no, no, we have bad days. We have, exactly. We have bad days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think your great coaches are have a, a great sense of humility too. They they look at themselves as well. Coach, uh, special team, tell me about your special teams. How do you win the last two minutes of the game? You just right. don't show up, right? You have to practice. No, and I was, as I, you know, what, 
we you do that in practice. I, I believe that we as I, we have a sheet of paper that has all last second situations on it, and we go through those as the year goes on. And we have a Sunday practice where we'll do a ton of dummy uh, special situations. We'll do twenty seconds to go tie score live and stuff. And I, I believe in and we get in February. Every day we end practice or start practice with special situations. And I change that because I like to keep on guessing a little bit what we're going to do. But that's done in practice. And my guys know whether we're calling a timeout if a team scores with four seconds to go. They already know what we're supposed to do. And uh, and, and whether it's defensively or offensively, we, we practice everything from fouling to everything. And we make darn sure that we've practiced that. And that's how you win the last two minutes. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I remember Coach K, and I know you remember this shot, you know, with Christian Late there. And they, oh, and they, yeah. They, talk, yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. talk to the players afterwards and they go, yeah, you know, we practice that all the time, but it never worked. Yeah, and it's funny. <laughs> Hey, I line them up and try out. I see who can throw the best baseball pass. It's amazing. Today's basketball players cannot throw a baseball pass very well. It's it's <laughs> amazing. And I don't know about you, but I have some kids who are, who are really good at two-handed passes over the head, and I'll let them do the throw-in because at least they got their hands, both hands on the ball. So, but uh, we actually run that play. He runs. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, coach, tell me about my last question. Is this? You give me, and you 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 know a lot of coaches. Who is your best coach of all time, dead or alive, high school or college? Well, you know what you got, God. I'm, in North Carolina, you have to say Dean Smith. I mean, I, I think <laughs> uh, I don't know how in the world you could not say him. I mean, he, I my brother-in-law was his manager for four years, so I had the opportunity to go to a lot of practices. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't know if there's anyone alive. Today, you could rob over how he did practice. Now, when you got Coach K and Coach Wims in the area, I mean, that's pretty two pretty darn good coaches, too. And so I've been a very fortunate person to go watch a lot of practices at Carolina and Duke. But I, I think you'd have to say Dean Smith. Now, I'll tell you another guy that's really good, Morgan Wooten. He was really right, good. Right, right. He's good. And the guy, oh, God, what's the guy? Don Myers. Don Meyer, yeah, yeah absolutely. Best clinics I ever went to. The best clinic I ever saw, Coach K and Bobby Knight did a clinic in Charlotte together. Can you imagine that? Oh, know. man. That might be the best clinic I ever saw. But Don Myers was, was great. In his, I bought, I don't know about you, but I bought every one of his tapes. I don't have many more but because I gave them to a bunch of our coaches. But those were like right. in my 20s and 30s. That's what we looked at all the time. So. Yeah, of course, they're all VHS tapes, right? That's what yeah, I still have. Yeah, it's bad. They're not like, they're not, I mean, they're, you can't use them anymore, but, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's fabulous. And I know Dean Smith. People, I think people have forgotten. I know in North Carolina, they never forget how great that guy, how innovative Dean Smith was. Oh, let me tell you what. You're talking about you, with Dean Smith, the work, you have to be up at least eight to win the game. You couldn't win. <laughs> You weren't. They came back and beat Duke at Duke that year, and, and I tell you what, it's he was a. That's how Matt Morris was as a high school coach. Matt Morris was such a great coach and a good person. You 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 better be up eight. 
you weren't up eight, you're going to lose because everybody was so scared, you know, when they played him. So, right. So right. I can listen to. Yeah, if I want to listen to this. I go back to your link. Is that what I need to do? To listen to all you. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yes. I look forward to doing that. Yes. And, and listen to. I'll I'll be waking up with you at six in the morning walking. So. <laughs> Coach, that's awesome. I, I just want to tell you, it's, it's been a tremendous honor because I've heard so much about you and what you've done with the program. I know Mike Brooker speaks you just glorious words about you. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to help me become a better coach and be my mentor. And I sure appreciate you taking the time out. How can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, contact you? you? You can either email me at Freddie with a Y Johnson at greensboroday.org or they're welcome to call me at 336-314-4701 and I, I I will I thank you a lot it's I, I learned a lot just talking about this stuff and it was a real pleasure for me to get to talk to you and and uh and it's it's fun to talk basketball absolutely now yes I'm, now I'm gonna go and it's getting close watch soccer volleyball and tennis on a beautiful afternoon so <laughs> exactly yeah coach i wish you the best season and uh i will definitely keep up and um i will i would love to have you send me some of your best coaches in north carolina that would be great for the podcast because yeah, I, well, uh, I, I, I yeah. will definitely send that to you and i'll send that play to you my i know you you, you don't have anybody can dunk probably but maybe you're six one Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at, at DrDishBball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in.